And welcome in to the Championship Edition of the Empire Dynasty League podcast. We are at the pointy end of the season, and I am joined by a somber Christopher Keane. How are you, mate? Hey, Benjamin. I'm very good, and a big congratulations to your good self and to the Prestige Worldwide for making it this week. I reckon it's going to be a, a nice pod. Um as we recap what happened last week and we go through this week. But we also, Ben, we don't have a grapevine segment this week, but there was some rumblings about, um, and maybe it was about keeping the cool, calm, collected camo on the pod and the wise one in Panthers from last week as a bit more of a permanent fixture. But alas, we welcome back the dinger himself. Hod, mate, great to have you back, buddy. Thank you, Keeney. I, I, I did hear a congratulations in order there um, for me making it on because I am in my deathbed right now. I've uh, most likely contracted the Rona virus. The spicy cough. Um, yes, 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 yes. But good to be here. And I can see there is um, another title on this screen and I'm more interested in the name of the title. It says Grouse Beater. Who could that Does be? Any, anyone, anyone want to have a guess who that might be? I reckon it has to be the one and only Prestige Worldwide GM, Matty Mack. Welcome to the pod. What's up, dogs? Happy New Year's from the COVID Congo. <laughs> COVID Congo. And for anyone listening out there who is not aware, we, uh, we've been a bit struck down in this league. Uh, the Punishers. They're out with a positive case and they're self-isolating over New Year's. And we've got the three uh, Congo Muppets themselves, Brody, Matt and Steph, all isolating in Brody's apartment right now. So that seems like a world of fun. Uh, how's, that, how's that going, Hod, living with two kids? Can we go through synonyms for fun? Because <laughs> I, think, I think you summed it up best before boys off air and said, asked me how parenthood is going with mm. these two young fellas as Steph just flashes me his nipple. <laughs> a lot of a lot of squealing going on in the background. So much squealing. Yeah. It was it's, ridiculous. Um, nah, it wouldn't change it, boys. It, it definitely beats isolating on your own. So I will happily have the kids around <laughs> um, for as long as we need to, which is seven days. But it is interesting. Half the league is probably positive. So is there any, or close to. any truth to the rumour that um, – all of the bum licking that you guys did to Thais after he knocked off the grouse is is what spread this COVID. Now <laughs> we don't need to get into my fantasies, Ben, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> I didn't know we were going that far that early. Um, no, there, there there is many ways this could have spread. Um, the first night in Yarrawonga may have had a bit to do with it. Hod, um, Hod, you didn't you didn't stick Thais's earbuds up your ass, did you? <laughs> No, no. Do you want to jump in here, Thais, and just give us a little taste of how you operate your AirPods? Taste is the operative word. <laughs> I'll put one in my left ear and one in my right ear. What do you do and prior what, to that? What else do you do? I'll suck them. <laughs> <laughs> this is no shit. When we're on Zoom at the moment and uh, watching Matt put in his earbuds, he gave him a quick suck and then popped him in his ear. It's the strangest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> as long oh, as they went in the year first Well, who knows oh. where they were prior to the year um, Anyway, let's get back on track So, plenty of fun at uh, at Hod's place at the moment <laughs> they're, they're squealing in the background when we logged on Because they're watching the Ohio State game With uh, some money on the line So if there is some 
some what appears to sound like some young girls screaming in the background that might just be Thais and Steph celebrating a touchdown. So just a heads up to the listeners. Slash grown men. Slash is the operative word. All right, we'll have to uh, we'll have to try and keep Steph muted somehow. Thais and I can mute ourselves, but Steph can't um, seem to. But we'll move on, boys. It was a big, big week. Big uh, week. And with two topical gentlemen on this pod, yep. which I'm looking forward to diving into. Yeah, two massive games in our semifinals. So let's uh, let's get underway. Let's move forward amicably. First of all, you're throwing too many big words at me. Okay, now, because I don't understand them, I'm going to take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth. And I reckon we kick it off with arguably the biggest game of the week, and that saw the Prestige Worldwide 163.46 defeating the Grouse 146, and that was, I'm sure, a celebration for that defeat and not the Ohio State game, Thais, but just fucking remember that we're recording right now. Um, Keeney, kick it off. Why don't you start us off with how the whole matchup began? Yeah, I will. Uh so we're just going to kind of go through each of the relevant um, points that happened throughout. I think with only two games sort of that went on last week, it was it's pretty easy to break down sort of how it went. There was a couple of Thursday and Friday and Saturday games. Um, so the swings and roundabouts of a, of a dynasty final were uh, at, at, in full display this week. But um, for the grouse, it was the return of AJ Brown, who just got absolutely peppered with targets. I think he had 15 in the end. Um, he scored. He was very good. Um, and I think then Devontae Adams played against Cleveland and he scored a couple of touchdowns. So, to be honest, um, the start, I think it was 54 to nothing or 53 to nothing at the start. Um, and, you know, probably I was feeling pretty good about my situation. But then the uh, the Sunday games happened and it all changed. So, talk us through a bit more, Keeney. You're sitting there in a prelim 53 points up. I think it was a very healthy 165 projection, which is close to your average on the year. Did, were you were you sitting there feeling like I've got this or were you your usual self? Oh, I've still got a pathway for Thais. You, you talked us through that the week before. How were you feeling at that point? No, well, yeah, I always thought that Matt, well, Matt was projected for 150 for starters. So I always thought that... Um, he had some great matchups and he was quite likely to exceed those expectations. So I was the way I sort of approached it was I need to get to at least 150 and we'll see if it's good enough. Um, so probably that start, I was, I was confident that I could get to 150 off the back of that start. I didn't think um, I was immoral to win, but I was in a good position. I was happy with the start, obviously. And just quickly on that, you, you, it is a 150 projection, but given a couple of positions that Matt had to play, we, did you have a score in mind for you that you thought you had to get to um, or did or did you have a cap of what you thought Thais could get to? Yeah, well, I suppose, um, and we'll get we'll get to it in a sec, but um, Matt obviously made a really good call in, in starting uh, Laquan Treadwell, Braxton Berrios. You um, just keep the, going. You keep going the, with it. Yeah, the other sneaky one was I thought, I thought with um, Darren Waller being questionable, I thought Evan Ingram, oh, sorry, David Njoku might get the start. Um, they played the early game against uh, Green Bay. I just thought he might start him, but he made a really good decision in not starting him. He scored zero, um, and he started Evan Ingram uh, in the end, who ended up scoring a touchdown and scored about eleven, which um, you know was a was a great result for him and and proved to be a really good decision. So um, yeah, probably his projections might have gone down a little bit with those kind of guys, but 
the way Sutton's been playing and with with um, Drew Lock at, at QB, I wasn't sort of surprised to to go for the that he went for the better matchup in a, a game that could have a pretty high total um, in the, that Jacksonville and Jets game. So probably made sense and and was a pretty smart decision in the end. Mm. And we've got we've got a couple of points here. We've sort of touched on them. The the not the difference here, but a pretty notable point. So Matt's swung for the fences, for lack of a better term, with Laquan Treadmill and, and Braxton Berrios, who got a lot of mentions up in Yarrawonga, let me <laughs> tell you. Um, they've they've both put up respectable scores of seven and six, and you take that from um, some spot starts. And and then on the other side, you've got yourself, Keeney, with Tyler Johnson and Kendrick Bourne, who have combined for four. Um, so the interesting point for me here is last year, Matt bounced out of the playoffs based on some questionable person personnel decisions he made. So it seems in 12 months time, he's turned that around. Um, why don't, why don't we get him? Why don't we get him to comment there on, on how he went about that 12 month turnaround? Yes. Well, Evan and I had a, a good heart to heart in the off season. <laughs> I said, you've fucked me against Panis. So you owe me one. So when uh, the Walrus didn't get up again this week, um, I said, all right, you're going in and you're catching passes from Jake from Don't Let Me Down. And I woke up and saw that he, he pulled an 11 out for me. So it was, uh, I said, if you get me over the line, we'll call it even. And, and what you do next week, uh, we'll go from there. Did you yeah. wake up, Thais? I thought you stayed through and watched all the games that night. <laughs> I actually fell asleep in the first drive of the Bengals-Ravens game. And then I woke up to Papa at about 9, 9.30, and he said, Thais, you're going to win fantasy. That's a good story. Um, <laughs> I thought there was more to it. Uh, that is, it's nice work by Evan Engram. His second highest score for the year with an 11.7, I think it was. So, some nice moves. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, Hod, that... Um, it was almost a tale of two tapes for the two sides here that Thais made some moves that worked out in his favour and Keeney made some moves that didn't work out in his favour. The, probably the most obvious one would be benching Rashad Bateman um, with the potential of that being an absolute blizzard, which usually lends itself to more of a running game. You know, you've played the mat, the, the weather there and put in um, Ty Johnson, who, you know, that was just a, a weird... A bit of a weird game, thinking that, you know, with the lack of Evans and Godwin that he'd get some targets. He had zero targets, played 54% of snaps. So just one of those things that you tried to sort of predict didn't pan out and and that's a big hill to climb up from in a game like this. Yeah, and it was it was legit like a 50-50 um, projection before Engram scored. It was 34-10 and he scored with like three minutes to go and that really sort of changed the perplexion of... Um, the complexion of um, the game and the and the projections at that point. So I think it went from like 50-50 to 80-20 in Matt's favour after that touchdown. So, um, yeah, the, I mean, the Tyler Johnson one was staggering. Like Brady threw it 30 times and he didn't even get one target. I, mm. I, I was happy. It was almost the one I was definitely going to start. And then I was tossing up with Bourne and Nico Collins and Bateman and, and even Isaiah McKenzie, who I picked up off waivers that week um, because of the, the missing Buffalo players. So he ended up scoring 23. So... He- you're stealing my uh, my next question there. So, was he ever in play? Because I, I I did mention this to Thais when we we're away, and he felt that it was more of a decision to block him 
um, versus one that you were actually considering playing because there, as you say, were some Buffalo injuries. And second to this point of um, these last two positions you went to fill, you have talked Osborne up throughout the year. Now he's pulled out of 15. Um, he's definitely someone I know you have played at times. Was he ever in consideration? Yeah, so a few of the guys that ended up on my bench were probably considerations depending on their situation for the week. So Osborne got Thielen back. I reckon if Thielen wasn't back, I probably would have started him. Um, mm-hmm. Because Thielen came back, I decided not to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nico Collins, Brandon Cooks was out, so he was close. And then Bateman was down to Joe Johnson as QB, so that turned me off him a little bit last minute. Um, and so the McKenzie one, it was probably a little bit of both. Like, um, I thought it would be a nice stack for Matt to have to kind of swing the fences with another type of player. Like, he's no worse than, than Berrios or, or Treadwell for mine. So um, I was happy just to grab him and see what happened, and I could have started him. But hindsight's a, a wonderful thing. And at the end of the day, I was happy with who I started, and it didn't, didn't happen. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on some injury news that looked like it was going to be bad news for, for Thais in this matchup and, and a good result for you in a way, and that was – uh, James Robinson, who uh, mm. once Urban Meyer was given the flick, he actually was given a fair workload, which is what you know Thais was looking for out of him. And then uh, it went down really early in that Jags game uh, with an Achilles. And if anyone saw it, it didn't look great. It was a jet sweep handoff to the wide receiver, and he just fell down in the backfield off like trying to take off one step. And it just instantly didn't look good, and it was – one of those ones where it had to be an Achilles or something pretty serious to just fall over, you know, without any contact. So um, scored a one on the day, which is always a tough thing for a player that you're expecting to probably get about 15, you know, maybe upside to 20s out of. Thais, talk us through how you – were you watching the game? Did you see it happen or did you just catch the news about it? Um, As hard – pointed to before we had a massive first night up in Yarrawonga where the cops are longer and uh, was lying on the couch about quarter past five just uh, trying to stay awake to watch the first the early slate of the championship games fell asleep at about quarter past 20 past five and I remember just before I fell asleep um, I got a sleep and notification saying James Robinson's been carted off and I just kind of said, oh, fuck, because he was my biggest chance of winning, I thought, going into this week. I thought it was a nice matchup with the Jets um, and a new coaching staff that, you know, he could be in line for 25 carries, 150 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and even a few catches. So, you know, taking 25-odd points um, potentially out of that lineup. Went to sleep, pretty concerned, and then I woke up, um, and, yeah, kind of the, the rest is history. So, well, yeah, I was very I'll read between the lines here. It sounds like um, you got the, the notification he was out and you passed out uh, out of devastation. Uh, that's that's how I'll read yeah. that one. But I'll, I'm not surprised that that's your recount of the whole thing because when we woke up at, um, you know, quarter to four or whatever it was just to check that all the matchups and everything were going and you're messaging us up and about and I've got, I asked you the question, have you slept? Nah. I'm like, all right, good luck making it through the first hour of today. And uh, we didn't hear many messages from you between the hours of probably five and seven. Um, but, but that's it. And you could, al- you could almost argue that Matt was unlucky not to score 180. Like if, if J-Rob plays, it, he could have scored a massive score. And at the end of the day, like I put up 146, which was the second highest score out of everyone in the league that week. So yeah. um, 
And it happens a little bit, and that's what happens. It's something that's made me go back and look at last year's playoffs as well, just to recap what happened. Because we all remember that Jake won, but like you pointed out on the pod last week, Keeney, just how he got there, what happened around him. You know, Scoot, um, in a similar situation to you in the semifinals, I think he was the second highest score, of the, but he happened to come up against the highest score. And then, you know, Timos putting up a 180 in the final week, but he didn't make the final, he would have won it. So, like, all this crazy shit yeah. goes down and it really just, it's, uh, it's, it is all luck at the end of the day. We, we stuck. Yeah, go. I was going to say, I actually think it was Timos um, that that happened to. He went 11-2 and two last year, had the bye, and then lost to Jake by 1.5 or something in the in the first final and then put up a monster score in what would have been the final. So Yeah, um, I think. And yeah, hard, luck, hard luck stories every year, so. I reckon you Scoot get a little bit of luck at the end of the year. Scoot lost to Papa, who put up the highest score. Scoot put up the second highest score. Jake put up the third highest score. So I mean, this shit happened last year. Mm. Um, it's just yeah, the way it goes. Hod. Um, I was just going to elaborate on to Keeney saying shit happens. Um, it definitely did for your quarterback room. Because um, if we want to just touch on a final point here, Tour and Stafford. Uh, have combined for a 16 and then Cousins and Wilson have combined for 32. That difference right there would have brought you right to neck and neck with about a 162, 163. Um, so who knows? It might've made the defeat even a little bit more shattering because it, it might've just left you short, but interestingly still um, the quarterback decisions there, it's almost like when you have too many options, it, it can really mess with your mind as to who to play, but it's also a very good problem to have on your squad. I think to that though, the reality is you were never looking at benching Stafford. That is just, that's an anomaly type thing that happened with those three picks and they were very strange, some of them, like tipped passes and all that sort of shit. So really it was you benching, I'm guessing, Russell Wilson because of the weather conditions and just hoping for upside with Tua. Um, But, you know, when you're coming up against Josh Allen and Dak who have arguably the best performances that you could expect out of them, especially Dax was all in the first half just about. Like that was – it was brutal to watch if you were <laughs> banking on, you know, a low score from Dallas. That From the start, they were just absolutely pumping uh, Washington. And I'm pretty sure everyone was benched by early in the third quarter, all their starters. So yeah. crazy that these scores came out of Dallas in just over half a game. Um, so, yeah, combining for 62, Josh Allen and Dak, that's, you know – Huge. That's massive. When he puts up a score of 163 and pretty much most of that is their uh, QBs. Well, that, that's, that's been the, um, the low point for Matt's squad over the last six weeks of the year. That's, that's what was letting him down. But we've mentioned it a number of times. His floor is usually that 50 to 60 points with those quarterbacks, which is why he's scored well all year. So that's definitely turned around for him in the week that he needed the most. And before we move on to the next matchup, we will be talking about the Bengali and Joe Burrow and what happened in that game. Mm. Um, but it'd be remiss of us not to touch on T Higgins and, and Jamar Chase for Thais this week as well. I think, Matt, you text me saying you're going to name your firstborn T or Higo or something like that because he, he went nuts. He put up, what, two touchdowns, 190 yards, 12, 37 12 catches, like 12 catches of 13 targets for 194 yards and two touchdowns. You couldn't ask for a better, <laughs> better stat line from a skill position player. Ridiculous. Yeah, enormous. Yep. T Higgins, COVID, McMahon Jr. The third. <laughs> Conga line. Why is he junior? Yeah. Is there someone else with that exact name? <laughs> You're changing your name, are you? 
to that. Um, yeah, any any final thoughts from this game, Thais, before we move on? Um, no, it was uh, kind of went to bed thinking, oh, we'll see what happens. Um, and then I know what it, I feel like anytime I over monitor fantasy, you get too involved and it doesn't go well, I feel like. So I kind of just decided to start until five and pass out until about nine, nine thirty. And from there, it was a chance that Cowboys game. Um, I probably didn't like my chances because I thought if two were scored 20, I think I was down by 52. So I would have need to score 72. And um, as Dallas got that lead and the Gibson wasn't going to get carries and then they got a pick six and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble. But as we've touched on, Dak just kept throwing it. Um, I think a home game Sunday night against a weak opponent um, kind of waited for him to put up a score like that all year. So, we are on tour, watch all day on Tuesday, and um, everyone was saying congrats on the final. I said, nah, nah, I'm not there yet. So it wasn't until kind of the last two minutes in that game that I actually said, all right, I'm in. So um, that was an epic battle, and like Kenny said, if he had played anyone else in the league, he would have won. Um, he definitely had some things that didn't go his way, you know, with COVID. It's uh, a crazy old year, and it's already um, having a big impact on the grand final this week. Um, so, yeah. Very excited now, to be in the grand final, as you should be. And you said you didn't want to, you didn't want to go through it and overanalyze it. But did you make up for that by over celebrating? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Good. Good. It's you, COVID Congos. It's uh, you. You talk about just falling asleep and letting whatever happens happen. It's uh, not a bad way to go about it because I can talk about it from the other side of it. Who got up at you know, 20 to four just to check news on my players and all that sort of stuff and then watched it, I reckon, every single second. And I wasn't even watching Red Zone. I had just the games that were relevant to me open, watching all of those. And it took probably a good five years off my life uh, watching football last weekend. So I'm looking forward to taking another five years off plus this weekend. But we'll move on to this matchup, which saw the Park City Lions. gave me COVID, Benny. <laughs> Which probably will take some years off your life. Who knows? Um, One forty. <laughs> Jesus. Park City Lions one forty three point seven two defeating the San Diego Demons one forty one point oh four. And probably the the first talking point here is like you said, Keeney. Those early games, I had three forty ers and uh, Deontay Foreman in that first game, which. You know, all barring Deontay Foreman, they had pretty decent games. Um, you know, Debo put up his stock standard 20. Um, Ayuk got a touchdown. The biggest disappointment there was Kittle scoring a four for me. Um, so even though I had that early lead, I was still stressing that a bloke that, you know, previously or pretty recently has been putting up his 20s plus uh, scores under 10. I thought this could come back to bite me in the ass. Um, and then Deonta Foreman, who I thought I was going to give the start to because it looked like he'd sort of broken through that um, committee that they were doing in Tennessee. He had 20-odd carries the previous week, and then they went straight back to a committee. And luckily, he gets the goal line carries and saved it with a touchdown. So he scored uh, 7.7 with a touchdown. It's, it's not an ideal uh, bloke to be starting, but the touchdown sort of saved me there. So... Yeah, out to an early lead, and then Chubb played in that later game 
on the when was it? I can't even remember. The Saturday. On the Saturday, yeah. And he had his, you know, what what I've come to expect out of him, especially without Hunt in the lineup, and that's his hundred and twenty plus yards and a touchdown and a few receptions on top. So I was pretty happy with everything probably except the Kittle performance going in early, but it, uh, it there's nothing more unnerving, I think, than looking at those projections and it says, oh, you're an 85% chance or you're a 90% chance. <laughs> it's such a load of shit and that thing swings. <laughs> when you watch it closely yeah. for an entire weekend, that thing swings ridiculously the entire time. So What? What exactly swings, Benny? Oh, a lot of things swings, but uh, I can tell you that wasn't swinging during watching these matchups. <laughs> that was. That Did was, you have sport dick? Oh yeah, that uh, was shriveled right up. Nervous <laughs> as hell. I've got something for that, Benny. <laughs> You've got a cream for that. <laughs> it's actually a pill. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, yeah. Hod, talk us through the next part. Certainly can. Um, so, as you mentioned, you got off to a pretty good start there. Um, but Camo, as he often does, he's a fighter. And he's uh, pegged it back with Chase Edmonds, who got the keys in the Arizona offense. Uh, I think that was against my Colts, wasn't it? Um, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was game on. Um, and he was, it wasn't all, uh, the Colts run day is pretty good. Um, he did get that little touchdown at the start, but um, he was doing a fair bit of damage through the air for memory. Um, so mm. he was very much involved in both facets of the offensive game plan there. Um, but the talking point here is, um, you know, there's a silver lining for the San Diego demons. They may not have got through all the way, Um let the Sonny Weaver junior division down, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> but he's definitely set up here with uh, one of his two quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, 525 yards, four touchdowns for a 38. Um, you don't see too many of those scores uh, in the quarterback room in a four point passing touchdown league too often. Um, the second highest quarterback score over the last two years. Is that for the demons? I'm guessing. No, that's um, out of everyone. Out of all quarterbacks. Hmm. In, in Dynasty since we've been doing it. Interesting. All right. Um, uh, with the Demons, other franchise quarterback and Justin Herbert putting up a 40-plus in week five this year. So he's had two of the top scores. Um, so, yeah, as, as we mentioned, a really nice foundation has been set and I think he can feel pretty good about where his side's headed um, no matter how many 40,000 roster transactions he does in the <laughs> next year. Um, he's probably going to hold on to those two, which is a good start yeah so i think sort of to sum it up it was a sort of similar type of games both both matchups here in terms of myself and ben got out to to pretty significant leads and then matt and camo just pegged it back little bit by little bit and after the early slate it for matt had swung in his favor and for camo it was almost line ball ben i reckon it was 50 50 after the sort of early slate games mm-hmm. um so he had a he had a nice little window there, and it came down to you needing Mahomes to produce what we know he can. But he'd always, he had been a little bit iffy this year, and it was sort of hard to know what you're going to get with him. Um, but you were pretty confident that he was going to do enough. But uh, yeah, that Burrow one just just swung the momentum back in Camo's favour. And then in the Chiefs game, it was all about Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who got injured pretty early on in in that game, and um, Camo started Daryl Williams, so reaped the benefit of that. He got a a pretty decent workload in the Chiefs' offense, which is always something you want, um, and ended up posting a 141. And to be honest, I think he was 
almost 85% favourite um, yep, with Ben was. needing Cooper to score 16 um, in the last game of uh, of that matchup. So um, I think even Ben tried the, the final thing one does normally try to <laughs> to get the win, and that was the old reverse Moz. We've all done it. We've all tried it. Uh, it's just that Ben knows how to pull it off Ooh, well, more than most. That too. Um, mm. I had to explain to my wife what that whole thing meant. I said, oh, we <laughs> I had to I had to leave watching NFL because it was just getting too much for me going into that. So I went to chatty. Too much for you or too much for Amelia? Probably both. Ooh. Went to chatty, um, walking around, and I said, <laughs> I go, i got to do this. She goes, what are you talking about? I go, I've got to send this message. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, trust me, it's the only thing I've got in my arsenal left. <laughs> and then uh, Scoot was right onto it. He, he commented straight away with what I was doing. Um and sure enough, the reverse Moz worked in the end because uh, Amari Cooper, who has had a bit of a roller coaster year, you know, he started with a 32 right out of the gates, 139 two touchdown performance, has had some down weeks, had some sort of medium weeks. So it has been a bit of a roller coaster, that Dallas offense that we spoke about, but got peppered with targets um, nice and early. First couple of drives, I think he had about six targets all up and. That offense was just looking amazing. Um, yeah, and then got the touchdown right on half time, which happened to get me uh, over the line. So that was it was uh, it was what I was hoping for, especially like you said, Thais, with the Dallas defensive touchdown. I thought, oh shit, this is going to work against me because they're just going to, you know, hand the ball off, run the clock down. They've got this game well and truly sewn up. But I guess similar to that. Cincinnati game where they just kept throwing, even though the game was well and truly done with. Um, yeah, it happened to be quite a fortunate touchdown because not long after halftime, they benched everyone. So if he hadn't have got that touchdown, then I probably wouldn't have made it through. It's, uh, I find it, sorry, Hod, before you go, mate, yeah. I find it amazing how often the reverse moles actually works. I, I think it's got a an amazing track record. I, if you actually go back to, I remember this so well. If you go back to last year's final in the ADL, every yeah, single Jake. league member started congratulating Papa <laughs> yeah. on the win and winning the ring. Oh, <laughs> it was the funniest thing to look at. And that, I think, and then JD McKissick catches a sixty-yard bomb, and oh, it's infuriating. But it's amazing how often it works. But that that had something to do with we were all in the same house as Papa. So we all saw how he was tracking <laughs> along and he was like a spring chicken and then it just got worse and worse and worse Ooh. as the day went on. So that's why we were getting a little stuck into him with the reverse oh. Moz treatment. But um, what I, I wanted to just touch on there is um, sort of the division rivalries, I think, help the fantasy playoffs because – it's probably only the games where you're playing the division that you really want to run the score up because you hate them. So if you look at the Cincinnati Baltimore game, there was no reason that they should have kept going with all the fantasy points that they did. But I believe, I believe there was a comment made during the week from the Baltimore defensive coordinator about Joe Burrow. And he, um, I think Cincinnati may have had a bit of feeling behind that and kept putting the foot down. And then mm -hmm. in the Dallas game, I think as well, um, I know that they, they rested, players in the end, but they did, they were putting the foot down quite heavily um, to get that lead as big as they were. So it's, it's just a little thing I noticed. Yeah. And the other thing about the Cincinnati one was they made reference to that Baltimore did it to them last year. Um, yeah. And so they, they didn't forget that. So um, yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're up by 21 with three minutes to go and they're chucking it downfield. 
just non-stop. Yeah, and I think Baltimore rubbed a few people up the wrong oh, way yeah. this year. They they were, ch- you know, that game against Denver on the last play of the game, they ran it seven yards to get that keep that record going. So th- there's been a bit of feeling mm. against them throughout this year. Mm. Yeah, good call. And just getting back to fantasy, I suppose, like Matt pointed out uh, and Kenny pointed out in their game, you could you could look at this all day long and say, well, if I did this, then this might have been different. And, you know, for Camo, it, he benched uh, Gerald Everett for Daryl Williams, who Gerald Everett put up a 16. Like you were sort of looking at Keeney, that game didn't look like it was going to be friendly to anyone on a passing side of the ball. Um, you know, Phil and I got up to check and monitor his health status and my plan was to put Michelle in if he was benched. Uh, he got up for the game but got injured pretty early after only three catches. So um, massive swing. And Michelle put up a 20, which, you know, and even Michael Carter had a good day. So uh, there's plenty of, of ways it can go. And this is the thing that drives you insane, I suppose, is that you try and predict as much as possible. And something that I have no doubt I'm probably going to get very little sleep tonight running through all of these possible combinations. Um, but, yeah, drives you nuts. It just seems like there's more fantasy points than ever. Um, cause you often try not to stack too many players of the same teams, but you've got the Debo, IU Kittle that's worked pretty well for you this year. But look, just looking at that Cincinnati game, 119 points, Burrow, Mixon, Chase and T Higgins put up. That's insane. And that's not, you know, you could go further. You could add another yeah, receiver. You yeah, could add a tight end. Um, that is a, just such a big score from those four players. Um, I think Matt wants to add something. I was just thinking, Benny, it must be nice to uh, be sitting there not being able to sleep trying to work out who you're going to play because you've got so many guys to come in and play. I'm sitting here trying to work out who's going to start for me at running back this well, week. Right. Well, you, you're jumping the guns, mate, because we haven't got into the preview of the grand final. But I think we've gone – we've got about half an hour on last week, and I think it is time to get into the preview for the second ever EDL grand final. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? You watch those nature documentaries on the cable? Prestige Worldwide. Why? Why? See the one about lions? Prestige Worldwide. Look at this lion. Management. He's the king of the jungle. Financial portfolios. Insurance. Huge man. Computers. He's so big. Black leather gloves. He's so hot. Investors? Possibly you. And with that being said, the grand final. Thais, what did you think of the little uh, pump-up song? I loved it. Investors, (laughs) possibly you. Thais, I think the real reason he hasn't been sleeping is because he's been working on that drop. That was uh, (laughs) outstanding. Oh, goodness. Couldn't help myself. Christopher Walken talking about lions. I stumbled across (laughs) across that. It was the best thing ever. (laughs) Um, well, when you get the likes of Mike Brady on during the year, it's going to be hard to top it, but you might have just done it, Benny. Well, well done. yeah, we will wait and <laughs> see. Benny, Maybe been... Mike Brady could come on and congratulate the winner of this game, Thais. What do you reckon? <laughs> I was thinking, um, I was actually waiting for um, the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley cameo to come on and wish the Prestige Worldwide the best of luck oh, this week. Shit. So, um, Oh, wow. Sorry, I've let you down. We'll see what that, happens in the next half hour. I mean, Mike Brady Stop was expensive, so I can only imagine how expensive getting Will Ferrell and John C. Riley on would be. Uh, I don't think we've we've quite reached that budget yet, Thais. But uh, 
The number two seed Park City Lions taking on the number five seed Prestige Worldwide. And we've spoken about how fortuitous it can be for that number five seed so far in this league. Uh, The current projections, who we haven't found a sponsor this week. Um, We kind of dropped off the old sponsorship of projections, but... It's got currently the Park City Lions 147 to the Prestige Worldwide 118. And uh, we'll go through some injuries and questionables and all that sort of stuff, which might explain why the projections right now are the way they are, Hod. They just got onto the mute. Um, (laughs) Yes, we do. We have uh, Adam Thielen. you want to talk me through this little startable thing here, boys? Yeah, um, I just thought I just thought with the two grand finalists, um, it's good to sort of go through in terms of injuries and COVID, um, their actual starters and what you can almost expect for them to get back next year. Um, so obviously, a lot of teams aren't at full strength, but um, in terms of the the guys that they would be starting in a grand final if everyone was healthy, this is sort of the list of guys that are unavailable for them. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. So the notables here for the Park City Lions, uh, Adam Thielen, who's um, back on Dwyer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Derek Henry, who is very, very unlikely to make it back, but I think that's already been ruled out. And then the Hawk, hurling the Hawk, we call it in this household. Uh, he is um, oh. still out. Um, and speaking of this household, COVID, nothing to spot for now, Benny. We don't want to talk too soon, but... Um, nothing on the radar as of right now, which is encouraging. And then the the questionable one here and a very, very important one at that is Lamar Jackson. He hasn't practiced, I don't think. Correct me if you, I'm wrong if he got out there today, but hasn't practiced this week um, on that ankle. And um, looking unlikely to play, but uh, we will wait and see on that one. And just a quick uh, one on the waiver wire ads. We've got Dare Agunbowale. Uh, Byron Pringle and Jonathan Williams. Uh, I'm not sure how much they're going to feature for you there, Benny, but that wraps up the Park City Lions. Yeah, uh, and I think the one on Lamar was, I think he was spotted at one of the practices, but he was limping quite heavily. So I just I just don't see a world where he's going to play, unfortunately, for you, Ben, but um, you've got a few guys you could probably sub in there if you need to. Just keep, uh, just keep throwing out first-rounders for uh, Tyler Huntley there. He's building... Ooh. He's looking quite juicy. He, we were talking about in Yarrawonga. I don't want to take it off subject here yeah, too, yeah. too much, but will there be a team that possibly throws mm. a little first or second rounder there? Because he's he's better than a lot of players that have been starting for teams this year. Yeah, you think of like a Carolina or someone like that. Um, you've, they've already shown um, a willingness to have a, have a crack at someone like that. Um, you know, Dale, they bring back Cam Newton and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think his value could absolutely go up next, this time next year or, well, sorry, in the, um, in the early part of, of yeah. The, yeah, next season. So it's a nice play to hold. But Hope, um, Hopefully Lamar gets out there for the big game. Though. You want you want both teams at full strength, even though we won't get that, but as yeah. close to as possible. And we and we definitely won't get that for Prestige Worldwide, unfortunately, with um, a couple of injuries in last week's games. Uh, notables being James Robinson. We've touched on him with the Achilles um Daryl Henderson, another guy that probably would have been maybe tough to start for us. I don't know. We'll get your opinion on that anyway. But with the inclusion of or the addition of um, Michelle going pretty well there in LA and now Akers is, probably won't play, but he's, he's on track to return at some point, which is probably 
ironically, um, good news for James Robinson that a player like that can come back from an Achilles and um, look pretty good in that return from that injury. The other guys, uh, Corey Davis, next year you'll get him back and Travis Etienne, which will be a suitable replacement for James Robertson next year for your squad anyway. Um, COVID, you've definitely been hit with the COVID bug this year. Oh, this week, sorry. Darren Waller, even though he's, he's sort of a mix between IR and COVID. Um, and recently, Antonio Gibson also put on the COVID list, which has really hurt your uh, running back room, as we'll touch on in a second. The other one was Cortland Sutton, who um, is was away from practice because of illness, which for mine over the last few weeks normally means he's got COVID. Um, and then it comes out that Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy have got COVID. So I just assumed, um, well, he's, he's no chance. But apparently he has uh, travelled with the team and he's likely to play. So um, I think that's a good result for you, Thais. I'm not sure if you'll start him, but we'll see what happens. Um, and the and the waiver wire adds for you at the moment. Um, we'll get to maybe some extra additions today. Um, but at the moment, you've gone with Kyle Juszczyk in that Niners offense. Who are they playing? I, I think it's an okay Tasty Jets. The Jets. Uh, Trey Houston. Lance likely Houston, under sorry. center. Houston. Yeah, Houston, which is absolutely fine. Um, Trey Lance under center will be an interesting wrinkle to that. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the transactions on your squad this this week. Wouldn't it be, um, wouldn't it be a story in this game if uh, Trey Lance coming in obviously takes a bit of the passing prowess away that Jimmy G has over him and obviously Debo and Ayuk there and Kittle. Imagine Trey Lance comes in and they form a little bit of a running attack with Kyle XY. It gets down on that goal line, Ben. You'd be a little bit nervous, I reckon. I don't know. The last few times that they've had injuries at running backs, it seems to be Debo Samuel that gets a lot of the carries there. So I don't know what to expect in that offense, to be honest. That is true, actually. Very I was going to say, I reckon Debo will actually rush for a few yards against Houston. Um, he's, he's, I was saying to Ben um, the other day, he's a lot better than I thought he was. He is uh, powerful and a beast and doesn't go down very easily. Yeah. He's mm. a bit of a weapon for him. No, it's worked out pretty well for me, that trade. Not only has he continued, if anything, he's probably gone up since the trades happened because that's when he started to get all those rushing attempts. I think he's had six rushing touchdowns on the year. Which is seven. Seven now. Fucking insane. He's he went past Sam Darnold. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Thought Sam Darnold was gonna have fifty at the rate he was going and the way Steph was pumping him up. Um but yeah, and then also Ayuk's started to come back into favours with that offense. But i i I'm a bit nervous about the Trey Lance start, I'll be honest. I think Debo will get get his targets. He he played well last time Trey had his only start. Kittle was out injured, um, so I don't know what to expect there, but I'd imagine a young QB with a dominant receiving tight end, it's a pretty good safety blanket. So it's really Ayuk that concerns me mm. a little bit. Um, I could absolutely see a world where his targets get soaked up and, and he doesn't have much of a game. Well, I think I think one, one or two of them can still go off. It's just the pie has shrunk for sure. Yeah. He, he, they're not going to put the ball in his hands to throw anywhere near as much as Jimmy G and he rushes a lot more than what he would as well. So it just has to be a hyper-efficient day if you're going to roll all of them out, which I think you will. Um, mm. for, and, I mean, what what better team to come up against? They could score 40 points on them quite easily. So it will be an interesting one to watch, the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I think we'll, we'll try and delve into both uh, teams here in a little bit more detail. So first we'll go through the Park City lines and 
we touched on a little bit there, but a few of the talking points for mine, and it's great to have both um, league managers on here so we can actually delve into what they're thinking. But um, at, the, at the moment, we've talked about, about Ayuk. I'm with you. I reckon he's the he's the scary start for you. I reckon mm-hmm. the other two are you can trust. Ayuk's been so hit and miss, and now Trey Lance comes in. That's a that's an interesting decision you're going to have. He's currently in your flex position. Um, the other player in your super flex position, which I think is worth mentioning, is... Trevor Lawrence, who quite frankly gets an awful matchup against the Patriots on the road against Bill Belichick, has thrown one touchdown in eight weeks. It's a scary start for mine. And um, how are you leaning with both of those players in particular? Uh, I'm, I'm leaning so far out the door at the moment with Trevor Lawrence. It scares the absolute shit out of me. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a good matchup. Bill Belichick's known for being pretty ruthless against young QBs and Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown a touchdown since week 12, which was against Atlanta. So his highest score for the year is 21, uh, which is nice, but he hasn't looked anywhere close to that in the last two months. Um, You know, even against plus matchups, he scored a one, a 10 and a 12 in his last three weeks. So coming up against New England, I'm at a point now where as much as locking in a quarterback for super flex is what you want to do, I don't feel confident doing that right now. So that's definitely a decision that I will be thinking long and hard about. Well, here's a thought, Benny. Does Sony Michelle ever get a chance to jump into your lineup here? Because this is his last four weeks, 20, 8, 13, and 20. And I noticed he didn't get a gig last week. Could he just slot in for more than what Trevor Lawrence can dish up on the best of weeks, let alone going up against Bill Belichick? Yeah, he would if he wasn't already solidly in my starting running back slot as well. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I haven't had a lot of the issues with COVID like Matt has had. Um, but with Thielen being ruled out, uh, me being questionable about Lawrence and Ayuk and then arguably Lamar not going to get a start. And even if he did get a start, how confident can you be on a bloke who's barely practiced with a bung ankle who needs to be mobile? So there's sort of three players right there that I've got to start arguably two of them um, because on my bench, I've got a lot of bit time um, running backs now like a Deontay Foreman, a Gumbawale, uh, Mark Ingram, like these blokes who could have decent games and could score a 10, but could also have absolute stinkers as well because they're part of committees and whatnot. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's the, it's the hard part about the Lawrence one for mine is you'd be pretty pumped to get a 10 out of him, which is probably not a great mindset for a, a super flex position. The other thing is he plays at 5am. So does Mahomes. So you're going to have to make that call early. It's it's not something you can look at the score and the matchup on how you're going against Matt and uh, I'll play a safer player here. I think I can get at least six from this running back versus seriously I, for mine, Trevor Lawrence might score. He could, he's, he could score zero. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a world where he throws three picks and has 200 yards and that's it. Um, so it's a, it's a very, very interesting decision that you've got to make there, which leads me to the great man. And we'll talk about some waiver wire stuff in a sec, no doubt. But uh, or whatever his name is from uh, the former Tampa Bay Buck now with the Jags and rubbing it, in, rubbing it in a fraction with James Robinson and Travis Etienne, both on the Prestige Worldwide squad, you starting the, the third stringer in Jacksonville. Uh, would be some sort of kick in the guts, I would have thought. Is is he a chance? 
He's absolutely a chance. Um, who, who uh, The only thing that's going to really work against him is game script, which is definitely going to happen. But he's the only person there who arguably will get carries. So like you were just talking about, there is a world in which Trevor Lawrence scores a zero because they're going to be ruthless. And if that's the case, well, then they're going to be handing the ball off to protect him. So I'll take potentially a you know, a 7 to 10 out of a Gumbawale if that's what he can put up with just bulk carries. I don't, I don't think carries are what you're looking for there, Ben. I think the game script will work in your favour. He's, he's a pass-catching running back anyway, um, and they're probably going to be behind. And he could, he could carve out in, in what takes us back 12 months. I'm pretty sure there was a McKist on the dick sort of player in the same game who may have had a monster game because of this exact reason that the Washington football team were not very crash hot this time last year and were playing behind, I'm pretty sure, in a pretty similar game. So That's true. who would have thought 12 months had come by and it's the same sort of thing. You're really scrapping together at this time of year, your squads. There's a lot going on. Um, and there is a path for the two of you. So it'll be very interesting to see which uh, starts you get. Yep. Absolutely, and and the picking up of Agumbawale was first and foremost a block because Thais I knew was in strife with Henderson going on IR. Gibson was already under an injury cloud, and there was a chance that Washington could have just shut him down, um, even if he got COVID or not. So there was a lot, and then his backups were Benny Snell and Eno Benjamin. So I knew that obviously Dare proved to be a very worthy pickup. Um, so that was the thinking there. Um, but yeah, I guess throwing over to you now, Thais, you know, we've spoken about sort of the, I guess the questionable parts of my lineup and where I'm a bit concerned. We just spoke about obviously yours, which are the main one is your running backs. And with, uh, Gibson being officially ruled out, that gives you not a lot to start there. Um, so we'll get your thoughts on what your, your plan is because the final waiver wire goes through tonight. And if you could just tell me who you plan on picking up, I might uh, try and block that again if possible. But Thais, no, talk can. us through your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I'll just take two active players out of the backfield tomorrow. It doesn't really matter who they are. Um, I think based on last week, you know, I put up 163 and I think I got 10 combined from my running backs. So it's 153 from the other eight. So... Probably similar, Benny, hoping for, you know, like a 130 to 150-type score and and hopefully that's enough. I know I'll be playing you, Shaq. Um, I'll just probably have to have a look at the bench and feel who I'm most comfortable with. Um, there's not a lot out there. Um, so, yeah, I'll be leaning on, you know, the Allens and the um, Dax and the Bengals. Hopefully there's a shootout in that um, Chiefs game. And hopefully a bit of luck from some of the, the, the flex spots. Um, yeah, I kind of went into the start of the year thinking my wide receiver room was quite good and my wide receiver, sorry, my running back group was quite good and then my receivers was a little skinny and now in the uh, championship game I'm struggling for running backs. So it's been a funny old year. It definitely has been and especially the last few weeks in particular with COVID and illnesses and all the shit that's going on. Um, some positive news for you though in that rule change has brought a couple of players back in. And that uh, we spoke about was the rule change that reduced the amount of days that a player had to be out. Uh, I think it went from 10 days down to five, which has helped a lot of players get up for the championship week. One of them being Gabe Davis, who looked 
absolutely on fire prior to going out with COVID and looked to be an absolute lock start for you last week, but he was struck down. So he's back, even though it looked like he wasn't going to be. Does a player like Gabe Davis get a start? I know you've currently got Sutton in, but you've got Braxton, your boy Braxton, sitting there in your wide receiver lineup. Is it a toss-up between him and Gabe Davis? Yeah, at this stage, I think um, you've obviously got to play the Bengals and Lamb. Um, Lamb will go against Cooper head-to-head. Um, I think, you know, Sutton, if none of those other Bengals pass catchers play, and we drew Locke, probably slinging it from playing from behind. Um, yeah, he, he's put up some good scores when Judy hasn't played. So probably makes a lot of sense. And then, yeah, it probably comes down to Braxton and, and Gabe Davis, I think, at this stage right now, I'm leaning towards Braxton because they'll be playing from behind against Tampa. Um, Elijah, Moore, Elijah Moore didn't come back this week. And the Jets had like 270 yards rushing last week, so they didn't really pass the ball that much. So, um, yeah, I'd expect a lot more work from him. And with Gabe Davis, I'm probably watching Emmanuel Sanders, so I think it's a game-time decision. So if Sanders was to get up, they've got... Diggs, Beasley, um, Sanders, and Davis. Um, mm. But either way, if I choose to play him, there's you know some correlation there with Josh Allen. Yeah, and uh, the I'm just starting to think about the similarities here between your good self and and Jake, our, our winner last year. You know, he's a five seed, so were you. You knocked him, he knocked off the one seed first week in, so did you. And then if we do, we've touched on it already, but you need like that. Um, that player that just lives in folklore about your team. team. And I feel like Braxton Berrios was the one last week. He had JD McKissick. He was his man. Everyone thought, you know, he's a pretty average player fringe, but he got him through and he won himself a ring. Braxton Berrios surely is your type of folklore hero that you look back on this in five years and go, I'll always love you, Braxton. You got me a ring. I sound like the DFF there. (laughs) Well, um, I'll give Thayer 30 seconds to wash away his Nick Chubb as you're talking about the great man. But up in Yarrawonga, that I don't even know who this Braxton is. It was Raxton Berrios. <laughs> he was, we were throwing the ball around the yard. He was tiptoeing all over the place. It was just, it was all happening up there. And now I'm hearing this Braxton. Thayer, who is this bloke? I don't even know him. Braxton Berrios. He's the, uh, He's the fisherman we put up in the group the other night, the Jets slot receiver. Um, gets a lot of targets, especially Jamison Crowder out. So I think I said up in um, our Yarrawonga bash, if I beat the Park City Lions this week and Braxton Berrios has a good score, I will buy a Braxton Berrios jersey and wear it to draft night next year. <laughs> Go one further. Get a tattoo of the man's name or something on you. Surely. I'm all after that, that photo right. of the fish. Yeah, get that get that on your back or something. That'd be a nice piece. Um, can I just yeah, point yeah, out? So yeah, Braxton in the mackerel. The mackerel. The mackerel put up a you know a pretty decent six point five. Um, who did you drop to pick up old Raxton? Yeah, it's funny. I won Byron Pringle. <coughs> I was um, going to play him. Yeah, a lot. I was going to, and that was one of those. Uh, oh shit. Like if I hadn't have just dropped him and played him, um, not knowing how that night game was going to go. Yeah. But um, the reason for having him was if Hill didn't get up, Tyreek yeah. didn't get up. But it turns out they used him as a bit of a decoy anyway. So um, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't close enough to that situation. But it highlights the when guys are coming back from 
being positive with COVID. Um, there's, you know, a precedent for them not really performing in their first week back. So um, if I had a kind of thought about it from that lens, um, maybe I would have kept him and played him and I'd still have him. Yeah, and do you know what else happened by you picking up Braxton Berrios, Thais? Uh, yeah, I do. I went behind you two in the waiver wire order. That's so correct. He owes me one now. <laughs> That's right. And speaking of uh, waiver wire, now I don't, you don't need to reveal what you're going to do, but final waiver wire tonight, you've basically, unless someone else in the league um, jumps in, which they're certainly able to do, um, you've got priority over Ben tonight. Um, you've obviously got some holes in your running back room. I know you said you're going to look to what you've got on your bench, but with all respect, uh, with all due respect, sorry, I don't know if uh, you can really start anyone on your bench with any sort of confidence at all to even get one or two. Is there someone you're eyeing off on the way, boy? Well, obviously, I'm going to play my cards very close to my chest. I've got to watch yeah. out for you on the way, wire as well, but you're also now behind me in the order, Keno. Um, but no, there's no one there. So I think um, unless something crazy happens in the next couple of hours. We'll have to chuck James Robinson out there. Maybe uh, just a reminder. Just for a moral. the man that Ben gave me last year. If he chooses to play Dare Gumbawale, who knows, maybe there's a world where James Robinson outscores him. Um, so it might be a bit of a, <laughs> might be a, bit of a mind fact. All right. Well, we'll finish on the topic of waiver wise because you were pretty vocal in our chat. And I can only imagine you were even more vocal with your, your conga line buddies. Um, that was Keeney jumping in and getting old Derek Gore ahead of you on the waiver wire. Uh, talk us through your thoughts, uh, your feelings, your opinions, any of the above. <laughs> I think my feelings at the time were probably driven by about the 20 beers I'd had at that stage um, that late in the day. No, I remember waking up on the day and having a good scour of the waiver wire and there were really only two um, running backs that I was kind of interested in starting with Kyle Juszczyk kind of being my third kind of backup. So I put a bid in for a Gumbawale and um, Derek Gore and I thought, oh, it's really just Ben and I now. So, you know, I have no doubt that Ben will pick up a Gumbawale. Um, that was the logical one. But I thought if I get Derek Gore, you know, be able to slot him in and, yeah, he might have seven or eight carries for you know, 40, 50 yards, maybe a couple of catches as well. So it was a, a surprise with that stacked running back room and an off-season um, that Keeney put a bid in. But then I thought about it and I thought to myself, well, oh, in my defence, oh, sorry, in his defence, if Keeney had knocked me off and he had a gaping hole and I was above him, I probably would have done the same thing out of spite. So, um, no, no, just took the chance to tell everyone in earshot in Yarrawonga yeah, uh, where the cocks are longer about um, how I thought that two of the three podcast hosts were colluding and, and hoping that the Park City Lions would get the win. Um, so yeah, I, I, I rode that narrative into the ground. Couldn't tell. Yeah, you sure did. Couldn't tell. Um, look, for mine, it's uh, yeah. I, I've already said this, but it's not uh, certainly wasn't out of spite. I couldn't care less. I wish you both the best this week. I don't really care who wins. Um, I actually think he's interesting next year. I think Daryl Williams is out of contract. I don't rate Clyde Edwards there at all. Um, he's been injured a fair bit this year. I think there's a world where um, you can turn him into some value next year if there's an injury or something like that. I think he's on the Chiefs' offense. I, I legit find him interesting. And 
And I know that one of you two, one of both of you were going to get him this year um, for this week. And for mine, he's a, a type of guy that I would like stashed on my roster rather than on yours. Um, and that's just kind of the way I approach Dynasty over redraft. Um, if it was redraft, I fully understand it's a, it's a bit of a dog move. But for, for Dynasty, it's 24-7. It's, it's um, all throughout the year. And I don't know. I, I think there's a world where he's a, a decent part of the Chiefs offense and he's looked pretty good this year. Um, and... Yeah, I think it's a, a reasonable thing to do. I understand your frustration, but um, I don't really care about anyone else's team, to be honest. There you have it on those final words. Uh, I think it just highlights that our man here, Keeney, is never sleeping when it comes to Dynasty. He may be out for this year, but he's well and truly got his sights firmly set on the following year. and. Maddie and I will have our sights firmly set on our lineups and this week. And, you know, while you're not sleeping on Dynasty Keeney, I don't think Matt and I will get much sleep tonight uh, tinkering the shit out of our lineups and trying to predict the future and all the fun shit that comes with fantasy. And at the end of the day, I don't know, maybe I might just sleep in and, and let the gods, in the word of uh, the legal team, let them just decide my fate for me. What are some of your final thoughts, Thais? Yes, um, here we are, the COVID Congo at the, the Hod residence. Um, so we'll wake up tomorrow morning and watch all the games. We'll, uh, we'll be heavily involved in, in the group and um, we'll all be rooting for the prestige worldwide. Benny, you have no doubt about that at all. Um, in terms of parting words, I think everyone's probably tuning in, expecting some archie-bargie between Kenny and myself as um, division rivals and, you know, we're going to have to take it pretty seriously, um, but we've both kind of yeah taken the high road and, and moved on. But I know that if Kenny had to knock me off, he would have given me a little clip. So I'll just say um, I picked him in the division for a reason, mate. And um, keep looking at that sign you have up on your office wall. Racks the uh, over and out. <laughs> Very good, mate. Um, oh, for me, I think good luck to both parties uh, tomorrow. Um, it's exciting you're both there. I think. At the end of the day, you both deserve to be there. I mean, you're both top three in scoring this year. There's no surprises. I think you both got two of the best rosters in in Dynasty. Um, so good luck to whoever wins it. Um, I think it might be a little closer than maybe what the projections think. And uh, I look forward to to seeing the banner tomorrow morning. I'll be up nice and early. Good luck. I can't wait. This is this is our final word of final words, isn't it? The last of the year. Oh. It's been it has been a fun one, boys. It's had a few ups and downs. Um but uh Thais, you can't come in now. This is the closing cook. I'm sorry, you can put your hand down. You are not getting any more airtime. <laughs> um but what I was gonna say is uh as long as we're rooting for something, Thais, because I don't like it when I've got my two mates in here and you're telling us we're rooting later for the prestige worldwide. I don't know what that is getting at at all. But I do have one parting shot here, Keeney. You can't get off that lightly. And there is another man who is not featured on this pod today, and he would like to tell you something. And that is that the DFF, the building DFF, has won as many playoff games as the Grouse in the history of the EDL. And he is building, bro, and he's not sure where you are at at this point in time. So on that note, that is where the Sunny Weaver Juniors sign off for the year. It has been fun, boys, and good luck, Benny and Thais. Podcast over and out.